Hey, Radioheads. Anita and Carol spent last week in San Francisco blessing the halls of the Game Developers Conference uh, with their Instagram weirdness and just their presence on the conference floor. Uh, So in the episode you're about to listen to, they're going to tell you all about the great games they played, the panels they saw, and the cool people they talked to. What you will not hear is me, because I was not invited to the Game Developers Conference. Well, I was, but I didn't feel like going. So anyway, if you're a drip backer and you are desperate to hear me crack wise this week about some random shit, uh, or maybe take some listener questions, cue up the bonus track, which I will be tackling solo because Anita handed me the reins for no good reason. If you're not a backer yet and you want to get into this bonus, and I'm honestly not sure why you would, but you know, you do you, uh, head over to d.rip slash femfreak and sign up now. And now... On with the show. Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is episode 19, and I'm your host, Anita Sarkeesian, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite 16-bit era video game mascot, Carolyn Pettit. I'd say me and Bubsy are pretty much tied, actually, but yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love, or alternatively, we are the feminist killjoys coming for your media, depending on your perspective. On today's show, we're going to be talking all about the Game Developers Conference, a major gaming industry event that takes place every year here in San Francisco. As always, we'll finish the show by each sharing a little something in What's Your Freak Out? And as always, exclusively for our fantastic drip backers, we'll be recording a bonus segment. Everything Feminist Frequency produces, including this very podcast, is listener, reader, and fan-supported. Thank you for helping us stay on the air and on the web. If you want to access special perks and exclusive backer rewards, join our podcast community at d.rip slash femfreak. Now, on with the show. How you doing, Anita? <laughs> I can barely get through that intro. My voice sounds so... It, it does sound a little... Yeah. Yeah, like it wants to go to that squeaky It place. does. I'm, there's going to be a lot of squeaking. I there's mean, also going to be could... a lot of swearing because I'm yeah. so tired. I was thinking, you know, you could probably have a side career as like a person who voices a mouse cartoon character only after a week of gdc right so like get that little window yes yeah so like friday and saturday Uh post gdc yeah i can record your little cartoon mouse (laughs) yeah so Mm. it's just me and carol this week yeah because we love each other and wanted some alone time That's with right. all of you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, just going to warn everybody, as I already did, we are extremely <laughs> tired. So yeah. this is going to be a loopy-ass podcast. GDC has a tendency to take a lot out of you, you know. Um, it's uh, it's a long... I mean, so E3, to, for comparison's sake, E3 is like a three-day long event. It, it has... The, the few days of like press conferences and stuff before that but as a as a reporter or attendee you know it always like only really starts on the sort of the wednesday and goes through friday and i'm you know wiped out at the end of that but you know uh, gdc is even two days longer with with i mean with lots of wonderful stuff like great panels and talks and things so it's not like and it's a privilege really to be able to go i consider it a oh, privilege sure. but, but it's, it's but it's but it's still week. exhausting it's just a it's, week of like no, back so, to back to back and here's the stuff. thing too is that you have i love that we're starting this with complaining but that's fine because that's totally what's happening um the other thing is that like so for those of us who have been in and around the games industry for so long we have 
a lot of friends in the industry. And so, you know, a lot of folks are coming into mm-hmm. San Francisco. And and so it actually starts the weekend before and sure. it goes through the weekend after with all of the like social activities that accompany GDC mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, you're dealing with Monday through Friday like nine to five sort of work hours of like go, 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 go meetings and games and appointments and all this stuff. The evenings are all like dinners and parties and what have you. And then also back to back weekends. So you're talking about like eight, nine, 10 days basically of shit happen, like of just all of this. And so by the time you get to this point, uh, it's just, it's, you're tired. It's like, it's, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's a cool thing that you just have to prepare for every right week. exactly but every think, week jesus christ what <laughs> whatever um but i think you know this sort of for me leads into something that i've actually been thinking a lot about this week and i was um encouraged even more to think about it by uh, a panel i went to yesterday the one reason to be panel which it was hosted by rami ishmael of lambeer and um so at GDC this year, there was a map of the world. It was made to look like a sort of 16-bit, you know, video game map, but it was of the world. So it was all pixelated. Of the world? Of, yeah. Of, like, of Earth? Of, of like, the all the, of the major, of, like, North America, South America, Asia, oh, yeah, okay. Australia. Sorry. And what they had next to the map was um, little red uh, markers that, and it said, you know, um... Pick up one of the red markers and indicate where you came from. Oh, like as attendees walked in. Yeah. Oh, and, and cool. So, of course, like a, a lot of people from like the Western United States, Eastern United States, all over Europe, you know, and some parts of Asia and, you know, Australia and whatnot. But um, so Rami started the One Reason to Be talk by saying, like, this isn't. Uh, it kind of had a slide of the map. Uh, and he said, this isn't a map of the world, of all the areas in the world where people make games and where people are like, you know, people who are important to what we do live and exist. This is a map of where the people who have the political and financial privilege to come to GDC live. And so... uh it was actually like uh, a really powerful and and uh, panel, um, and the, the his whole intro was devastating because you know he talked about how so he had these six people in mind that he wanted to come to speak, and of the six that he initially invited, three of them had their visas denied, yeah, and then yeah. he invited three more to replace those people. Two of them had their visas denied, and you know, and um, and like these. You know, he's like some of the devs, uh, one of them, it was like she's, uh, you know, unmarried and has no children. And so she was considered like a risk of overstaying or something. And he asked all he went down the list of all of these reasons why the people had their visas denied. Like, are you, you know, do you I I forget what most of them were, but, you know, do you uh, not have your own home or do you not have kids or whatever? Sure. And um. And asked everyone to like raise th- their hands if that if they qualified for even one of those. I qualified for like seven of the things that he list- listed off, and he was and so most people in the auditorium had their hands raised, and he was like, you know, like th- there are these are all, people cannot be here for those reasons because yeah. and, and so it it really made me. 
I mean, even much more aware of of the fact that you know um, GDC feels like this international. I mean, it is an international event. People come from all over the world to be here, but at the same time, like there's whole areas that from which people can't be here yeah, absolutely. and who, who should be right who should be represented who sh- whose voices yeah. deserve to be heard there's very little that i see from the middle east exactly there's very little from like african countries yeah one of the speakers was uh um from a studio called game cooks in lebanon and uh her whole talk was great but you know at one point she um one thing she did was she put on a slide um, an image from uh, an episode of Homeland, uh, where that's ostensibly supposed to be this specific neighborhood in 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 Beirut, I think, and it was like, you know, it, it looked like a like a Call of Duty level set in in the Middle East or something, right? It's just like uh, men with like machine guns in this kind of rundown urban area or whatever, and then she showed the image of what the neighborhood actually looks like, and it doesn't look like that at all. I mean, it's less people, families, people going about like enjoying the day, the marketplace, the businesses, you know, everything, and and she was like, she sort of made the point that these racist images and these concepts of what that region looks like that are completely kind of false, um, discourage, they, they make like, um, Western developers and publishers kind of think of the region as like not worth really looking at or investing in or, you know, wanting to come visit because they have this image in their minds of it being one thing when it's actually something else and how that makes it, obviously like so much harder for them to get involved in in meaningful ways in the in this work yeah absolutely and i you know i think about too how a lot of times at gdc there is the advocacy track Mm -hmm. and it has talks about various aspects of game development um and game culture but it is its own like siloed kind of track and you know they've had it for several years now and you know like the like i just wonder the exposure to the people who could make a difference are not necessarily going to the number one reason why panel right or reason to be sorry yeah or whatever yeah one one reason to be which was based off of a hashtag and there was two hashtags yeah i always forget which one it's named after but yeah um yeah and so thinking about like how how do panels like how do we get more of this stuff in, you know, the narrative track or the programming track right. or like that it's these are related or or just having it in front of a broader range of folks in the industry. You know, it was funny. I was we are seeing an improvement in the representations in games as a whole. Not every game, not every whatever, but it you know, we're we are we've seen that. Um and I had this moment where I met I'm like, how much should I say about this? Uh, So uh, I met someone who had worked on a game that I had critiqued and he worked on the animation rig for a hyper sexualized female character and the walk animations and, you know, whatever he friends with friends and was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Never like when I I was like, oh, shit, you did that. Right. Like I just kind of said a smart ass remark and he's like, what? What's wrong with it? Like, he literally was just, like... He hadn't been exposed to the, like, the criticism? No, and that's what's funny. So I'm not like, hey, how dare you not have heard of my work? But there is this sense of every now and again I meet people who just Mm -hmm. completely had, 
like completely missed the massive cultural, not like not revolution. What's a smaller word for revolution, right? Like, yeah. but like there was a massive cultural shift that happened in the games industry, mm-hmm. and like, how do you miss that? Yeah. So it was, you know, like he was a, he was a nice human. I had an enjoyable time meeting him for five minutes or whatever. Sure. But I was, and I, I was like, I'm not gonna work for you right now. So I'll send you a video later, right? Like I was yeah. like, I'm not gonna explain all of this right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was this moment of we need to remember that. Not everyone is down and yeah. not everyone is exposed to these ideas and these concepts. And like there are different yeah. silos and sections of the games industry that are kind of just like a little closed yeah. off. Absolutely. I went to a, a postmortem for a game that um, that uh, was a pretty major game when I was young. Um, this uh this computer role-playing game series, the first two games called The Bard's Tale 1 and 2. And, uh, you know, the developer, who's now, like, probably in his, you know, 50s, mid-50s or something, um, but um, he talked at one point in the the talk, he said something like, well, you know, um, I use, you know, he, and he's kind of like, talking to devs, like giving lessons to devs. It's a postmortem. It's like, you know, you, you want there to be takeaways and stuff. And he he's basically flat out said at one point, like, you know, um, sort of use like this Tolkien-esque, you know, uh, uh, kind of Christian-rooted, uh, you know, um, sort of mythology to, um, to, in the basis of creating my world because that's what people re- – that's what people – relate to that's what people that's what people's background is people wow and <laughs> you know and i mean this is um somebody asked him after the talk um uh what about like you know he he i mean is he specifically even said something like you know that's why i wouldn't use something like a hindu uh, uh, mythology or or whatever because that's people people don't relate to that and wow yeah and somebody you know asked him like what about like you know what about the inclusion and what about like people from other backgrounds and it it was really interesting the moment because his the the speaker's reaction really did seem like an honest like oh I just hadn't thought of that before yeah. he was like. He was like, oh, you know, that's a really good point. Like, I hadn't really thought of that. And, and certainly I would never want anyone on the basis of gender or religion or background or, you know, uh, socioeconomic status or this or that to feel in any way, like, excluded from my game. It was just like he just ha- he literally just hadn't thought of it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was an interesting um, uh, sort of indicator. I mean, this guy, obviously, he... You know, he's still sort of peripherally involved in the games industry, but he's not like really making games right now. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, you're like a white dude who was making games in like the early 1980s. Uh, you know, I mean, I wish you thought about this. I wish you got it, but it's not surprising that you don't. Right. And then here's this, you know, much younger person who gets up and ask this question and like that's kind of you know we are having these conversations now and you can see them too when you walk around the show floor um and you see the games that are being demoed like you're seeing this shift happening and you're seeing the games that are being nominated for awards Mm -hmm. that like five years ago you and i would have been like no way would like a narrative based on like lesbian relationships that's like a fucking uh 
a visual novel be nominated for mm-hmm. an award, right. right? Or even be showcased on the show floor of GDC, but it mm-hmm. is, yeah. right? Like this morning I met the creator of Butterfly Soup, mm-hmm. Brianna, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just it was her game is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, and you're getting this exposure that, wow, right? Yeah. So it, it is very much like these different spheres and who's been exposed and, you know, who who you hang out with and, you know, what your communities are is going to have a huge effect on absolutely. your work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I think it's so important still that, and I think this is definitely starting to happen, but uh, but not everywhere yet, you know, that there are people who have a seat at the table in studio, in major studios to, you know, who maybe come from backgrounds that who aren't just, you know, more straight white dudes who maybe, you know, can say, hey, you know, what if this character, you know, what if we took it, took her in this direction instead of that direction? Like, do we, we don't really need another character to be the kind of this, the sex object or whatever, you know, what if she has this going on or that? Yeah. Um, it's so important to have that influx of, uh, of t- talent and you know perspective into the into the industry. Yeah, oh, totally. Um, well, let's talk about some games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I went to, we went together, um, was the Day of the Devs hosts a few hours in the evening. They rent out the big theater at the Alamo Draft House, and they have a curation of, you know, what, like a dozen developers showing off their games. And so we're just sitting in seats and watching on a giant screen uh, these devs play their demos, which has got to be such a cool thing for a dev to do, right? Oh, man. But I was a little bit like, is it going to be interesting to sit and watch game demos like back to back to back? And I actually really liked it. I thought it was a great way to be exposed to a lot of games um, in a short, you know, yeah. it was a few hours yeah, but but in a short period of time. Because on the show floor, like, being able to get hands-on on a game, you kind of have to, like, unless you made an appointment, you have to sit and hover for a while until the game is available to be played. And so, for me, when I don't have a lot of time yeah. to do that with, that this was great. And there were so many games in that showcase that I'm, like, I'm really excited yeah. about. Uh, one game I want to talk about is Knights and Bikes. Um, this is a game I've been excited about it for a few years now. I think the team putting it together is called F- Foam Sword. And it's about two, you know, young girls in the, I think, in the UK, certainly, um, uh, who in the 80s, who I think live in this kind of poor town or there's situations where their their parents, their adults are struggling with, you know, with adult you know, financial issues and things like that. Um, but these two young girls, they play together and they they go on these these imaginative adventures that they obviously like kind of construct in their heads and like enjoy together where they are these heroes just going on on an epic quest. And so it's so and um I mean so in the game like you see them as um the you know in the real world, right? You see them like riding their bikes and everything around, but there will be these little touches that kind of hint at the their imaginative uh, uh, projections. Like there will be like a like lines indicating like a castle. Uh, 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 what's the word for that parapet or something? Um, just kind of like as if they're sketched into the world, where it's actually just like a rundown factory or something like that. And there just seems like there's so many opportunities in the world for like interaction and fun that aren't uh, about just that aren't about like progressing the game, but are just about like 
having fun together and just just playing in the world and um it's so yeah delightful. it's just so endearing and it's delightful it's really endearing and i feel like it's um it's got a really captivating animation style. Yeah. Uh, and just watching them like run around this world and just, you know, like you're like, you're biking around and then, oh, you have yeah. to do this activity yeah. thing. And yeah. then, oh, you're doing But it doesn't feel tedious. Like, yeah. fr- from what I've watched right. of it, I haven't been hands on with it yet. But um, yeah, it looks adorable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there was uh, another game that I had never heard of that uh, there was actually a bunch of games in that showcase that I was glad to be exposed to. So there's one called Dead Static Drive mm. by Team Fan Club. They're uh, Australian, I believe. And uh, they describe it as Grand Theft Auto meets uh, yeah. Cthulhu. So, yeah, he's, he said like Grand Theft Cthulhu. Gra- yeah, Grand Theft Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a really sleek, slick yeah. uh, animation or like design aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I think the premise, if I remember correctly, is you're on a road trip and it takes place over three weeks. Some amount, some weeks. like limited amount yeah. of days ahead of you yeah and so and it's a it's survival based so Mm -hmm. you have to do things that you have to do on road trips so you have like a i have to pee meter right Uh, right you have a uh i need food and i need rest uh so you are what i forget what the so like that it goes day and night but like you also die a fuck ton over and over again yeah or at least he did during the demo that he was doing like he you know these essentially like Sometimes these tentacles of like a Cthulhu-like, you know, monstrosity yeah. just burst up from the ground. Yeah, underneath you're trying to put you. gas in your car, yeah. and it just like bops your car <laughs> yeah, away, and yeah. you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Um, but I think the conceit was that time continues. Yeah. Like I don't think that time stops when you, you right. Re- you like it doesn't lose, reset. You essentially lose x amount number of hours. Yeah. I think it, it, when you die, which makes puts you in a more difficult position as far as like getting to your destination in the yeah. time that remains. Yeah, it looked it looked I'm pretty excited yeah. about it. It looked really yeah. cool. Yeah. Another game um that before I saw it demoed, like I didn't really know what what to make of it or what to think. Um <laughs> it's un it's called Untitled Goose Game. Oh my uh, god, this and, is the best. Yeah, like I mean so this game is just so hilarious. Like you play as a goose and you are essentially just like trying to like make mischief. Like you're just the most. You are an asshole goose. You are an asshole goose. <laughs> I mean, I said to the, uh, I don't remember his name, but I was speaking to somebody who was working on the game and I said, you know, yeah, if you're going to pick a kind of animal to be an asshole, like the goose is like the perfect choice, right? And so the goose just, as the goose, you just like waddle around. And again, the animation is just so funny. And like, you know, the waddle is just like so perfect. Um, And you, you know, there's like this groundskeeper that you just basically fuck with. Um, So like at one point in the demo uh, that I, that you know, the, the, the goose like takes the, 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 a radio or something that the, that the groundskeeper wants and the goose will like duck under a fence, right? And then the groundskeeper will start walking around the fence to get to the goose. But then the goose will just like duck under the fence again to go to the other side and the groundskeeper can't duck under the fence. So then he starts walking around and you can just go back and forth. And it's like, (laughs) it's one of those things. It's, it's sort of like the. That Simpsons gag where uh, where Sideshow Bob like keeps stepping on the the rakes or whatever, and you know it's like the third or the fourth time. It's like not that funny, but it just keeps going to like eighth or ninth time. Like, oh, it's fucking hilarious. Like, 
it was like that. Like, oh, it just is so funny. And um, yeah, like you can just all the opportunities to like just drag stuff around and just just mess around in the world. Um, uh, it just looks so, so much yeah, fun. It looks delightful. Yeah. Uh, and I love the name. I know. Like, I really hope that that. Like, is I, that I'm I'm not I don't even know. Is that like the name? Yeah. Or are they going to. I really hope they just yeah. keep it Untitled yeah. Goose yeah. Game because that was a memorable. It is. It's good. It's good. Yeah. All right. So the game that I cannot mm-hmm. stop thinking about, um, like definitely my game of the show, if we ever did shit like that, was um, this game called Kids. I literally we saw this on Tuesday night and I have not stopped thinking about it since then. Um. Fun fact, the game is called Kids. Yeah. It's by a, a company called Playable. Playables. Playables. Yeah. So if you Google Kids Playables yeah. game, yeah. you're not finding it's, this game. The SEO like, is so SEO bad. Is so bad, yes. <laughs> um, but, okay, I still don't totally know how to describe the game. So imagine uh, a tiny little, like, cutout gingerbread type figure. It's all black and white. Mm-hmm. And it... it Think of that like lemmings, right? Where you just have hundreds of these like cutouts of the same kind of character, right? Mm-hmm. And the characters do different things. So it's an iPad game and you t- you actually touch the characters to make them do different stuff. So it starts out with them all just like jumping into a big black hole, just like one after the mm-hmm. other. Boom, boom, just, boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And then you're like, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so mesmerizing and captivating. Yeah. And then it will cut to uh, a screen where it's like just two. And one of them will say hi, and the other one will say hello, and then one of them will punch the other one. But it's like these little characters, yeah. right? So it's not, it feels, it's really funny, right? Like you laugh at it. And then it'll cut to a scene where you'll have like maybe 10 of them. And you click on them, and when you click on them, one will say that way. Mm-hmm. And then another one will say that way mm-hmm. and then an all, another one will say no that way and point the other direction and then another one will say no and then like and then you eventually get them to all say the same direction and then they walk in that direction then another scene is like a huge massive herd right so there's like one character that says nobody likes me and then that character walks into the scene into the herd and they create this boundary around the character as it's walking through yeah they're like avoiding you know it's like there's like a five foot radius or ten foot radius around the character that everyone just always stays out of right it's and it's just so so it just keeps going from like these scene to scenes and then like sometimes they'll just like walk across the screen and you do these divisions of making them walk different ways and it's just like herds of these little creatures there's something about the concentrated power of like just the vast vast number of these figures and you know when you see them all for instance like just charging into this this hole in the ground yeah heedlessly just like just like charging and you and you're doing it too because you're tapping on it and like so if you see if you imagine a black circle and then all of these characters are standing around the circle you tap on them and they'd all just like dive in yeah so the end of the demo had um had that scene that's they dive into this hole several times yeah um but then it had this like kind of like how would you describe that music? Like a sort of angelic or something that kind of cor- chorus that like yeah, just, like it felt really like when we stopped yeah. watching it, I was like, I feel like I just had a religious experience. Mm-hmm. Like it, and so they dive into the hole, and the next scene is them slowly all falling down the screen from the top, like as if it's raining these characters, and then you tap on them, and they fall faster and faster, and this music is swelling, and just like. 
the uh, the audio direction and the sound effects are done so so well. I just yeah. I'm so excited for this fucking game. Yeah. And I've been telling ever. I'm like, it's a game with the little creatures yeah. and like lemmings. It's, it's just, so, it's you good. You cannot really <laughs> convey, this is one of those games where somebody really has to see it in motion, yeah. I think, to really grasp what it's doing. But yeah. Um, and it is saying something about group dynamics and, and yeah. d- you know. It's very... I, I was saying cerebral, but I don't think that's the right word. Like it's there is dial like quote unquote dialogue. Yeah. They're like teeny tiny little bits of voice dialogue, but it's not uh, a verbal experience. But it is deeply narrative in in this like existential yeah, sort of way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's yeah, good good. Apparently, they made another game called Plug and Play that I hmm. wait. Am I confusing people? Uh, I'm like, I have way too much game stuff in my head. (laughs) I think that they made a game called Plug and Play that apparently everyone's like, if you think this is good, you have to check that game out. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Cool. Uh, One of the other things from the Day of the Devs demo was that um, Media Molecule was there showing off dreams. And so if you haven't heard of this... So Media Molecule made Tearaway uh-huh. and they made Little Big Planet. Yeah. And their next project is a sandbox style game where you can create anything you want and you can animate it. Yeah. So you can create creatures and environments and create these little animated scenes. Yeah, it takes, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the big selling points for Little Big Planet and its sequels was, hey, you can, like, design your own levels and environments and stuff. And some people definitely did do some pretty cool stuff with those tools. But obviously, they're still limited in some ways. I mean, they're, you know, fo- focused on sort of platforming and things like that. Dreams um, looks like a full-fledged, like, game creation engine almost. Like, it really oh, it seems, like, like v- yeah. extraordinarily full featured yeah um so they uh they re- like they, they came on stage at the very end of all the demos and was just like oh we're just gonna mess around and show some things they took uh what's basically like a blank canvas ca- like 3d model yeah. of a human yeah it starts and- as like a humanoid it yeah. looks like basically like a featureless you know wooden doll yeah. maybe of a, of a person and we're watching <sighs> them transform this into a goose yeah and like we were it, it was just it looked really so at first they like you know they they made the butt really big yeah, 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 and yeah. you're like well this is just funny and yeah. goofy and then they like leaned they like they made the 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 characters like lean the torso leaned down mm-hmm. so it's kind of goose like but it's still this yeah. humanoid it's so it was fun and so I, at first you're like what is happening yeah. and then as it was so hard to stop watching right. them like create the the um the beaks and yep. the the oh, the feet thing the little the, webbed yeah, feet yeah the webbed feet yeah. and like the the level it was just it was mind yeah. blowing was, to watch yeah. this transformation yeah. and they had like all these animation settings and options so and they they like made the the walk as like sassy quote unquote sassy yeah, as possible yeah. to give the goose like again like a kind of waddle yeah. and everything and yeah i mean what people can do with this uh, t- tool slash game obviously is 
uh, is just amazing. It's and when incredible. you're watching people who know what they're doing, just watching the process of that creation can be really uh, entertaining in itself. Yeah, absolutely. So the the Day of the Devs booth and the Day of the Devs show was really, really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you are someone that is ever around GDC, uh, I recommend going to check out the screening because it's, it's a really cool experience. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk maybe a little bit about the alt-control GDC yes. area. So alt-control GDC is an area that they have at GDC every year where people come with games where where they're using uh, unusual, you know, or really innovative kind of control schemes in some way or another. Like, I think... It's, a, it's hardware based. Yeah. Stuff, like ha- it's like hardware hacks and yeah. stuff like that. So like a year or two ago there was a game that you played it was like a, a, using an actual old television set oh, and you yeah, like Jerry Bellick, Yeah. Yeah. Um you and you like hit the side of the TV to yeah to kind of remember like if you yeah depending TVs, on how old you yeah. are like old TVs you would like whack them a couple times to get the picture to show up properly right. so they use that as a mechanic on an actual TV like they built in a sensor yeah it was cool so one game that Anita and I played this year is called, was called Grave Call and um is that what it was called it's called oh grave call right which is kind of a great like funny it's a very accurate nose. Yeah. but like holy shit that's yeah. so much a pun that i yeah. hate so and the whole concept of the game is that one player you have to play with two players and one player has been like captured and like buried alive right and so they're in they're in a coffin and normally i guess where they've when they've demoed this game elsewhere they've had like an actual coffin that the player rests in. They didn't, they weren't able to bring the coffin with them. So they built like this black box, but it functions the same. You get in and the close the lid and it's a little too cozy. A like little, I could have, yeah, fallen but asleep. I don't know if, I don't know if sure, but I don't know if we want somebody to be like really uncomfortable during their playing experience either. I'm just saying, but, and that person has like maybe a cell phone where the battery's like running out and some clues and information on there about their whereabouts and everything. And then the other player, who was me in this case, plays as like a police, like a 911 um, uh, dispatcher. And uh, and so Anita, you know, was like feeding me these kind of clues. So they, they sorry, they, yeah. they so what, when I was in the coffin, yeah. they give you a phone right. and the phone has 10% battery life. Right. They built a app that looks like an actual phone, like an entire phone UI. So there's like photos that you can scroll through and text messages and emails and yeah. um, and then it warns you that your battery is dying because you only have 10 minutes to do it. Yeah. So it's like it warns you like they're like, do you want to go on power saving mode? Yeah. And, you're like, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's super stressful. Yeah. So I like I was trying to feed Carolyn. I was like, oh, I got this threat from my ex-boyfriend yeah. right. or my ex-partner. Yeah. And yeah. And so, so you know, there's occasional like, reservations at a hotel. Or yeah. Something. And so she would give me like names that I could search for in a database or like like locations occasionally. And I and I, uh, and I have this map with these little cruisers, police cruisers kind of cruising around on it. And I can dispatch them to to inve- to investigate specific locations, you know. And so like one location was like something it was like oh we found a van uh and uh, you know signs of like a struggle or something but no grave here and i'm like okay so probably i'm like sort of maybe in the white in the right region but there's still like so many different locations where it could be and you don't have enough time to like search everywhere you have to like make decisions and so i mean the 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 pressure uh you know i really was feeling that pressure and when i it was like this this just tremendous relief and satisfaction when 
uh, you know, when I found, you know, basically dispatch a cop. Uh, yeah, I thought car. I was going to be buried alive, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to a car, to a location. And like, we found, we found them, we found the grave or whatever. It is a really neat idea and yeah. really well, really well executed. Yeah, I think that they are students at a game school in Sweden. So uh-huh. it, was, it looked like, a, I think it was a student project. I thought they did such a, a really yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite game mm. at control gdc yeah. was high five heroes oh, so good uh it is a game it's a rhythm game about high fiving low fiving and fist bumping mm-hmm. so you like make friends by high fiving you basically what happened you stand next to uh like a platform that has a handle and you both hold separate handles across from each other and then you have earbuds or you have headphones on with like, you know, a rhythmic game sound and it guides you through what you're supposed to do. So it's like high five, high five, go. And then you high five twice. Mm-hmm. And it's like high five, fist bump, go. Mm-hmm. And then like if you're doing low five or high five, it'll yeah. t- or low five top, low yeah. five bottom. Yeah. And you have to like get the timing right. And then I think there's a sensor that like counts how many times you actually get it right. Yeah. And so there's like a score on the screen when you're done. Yeah, yeah. It was just so... I mean, you know, we like we did fairly well. Like there were times where we were in the rhythm and like doing it. And then there were times where it's just hard. You like you can't keep up or you just, you know, like it'll be it'll sometimes say, you know, like it'll tell you low five bottom too slow, which means you're supposed to pull your hand away, you know, and it's just hard to to keep up. But it was it's just it's so much fun when you get into that rhythm with the other person and you're just like nailing it and just like high fiving and fist bumping all over the place. Yeah, Um, it it, was really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, There was so this was not on the show floor, but this was at a a bar party thing that I was at um, called Dobotone. If I'm saying that right, Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that they are um, Argentinian game developers and they created this five player game console designed for parties. So like it's actually a box that they made Uh and there you have um, every so four players have two handles with like buttons on the top of them. I'm I'm showing Carolyn what they look like. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Yeah, you can just picture. Yeah. Pretend that I'm smashing buttons down or something. Anyways, so that and then... um, and then there's a fifth player, which I'll explain in a minute. But this the game there it's basically kind of like a WarioWare style yeah. where it's really basic, like, like simple super, games. Yeah. Um and you can you can rotate through the games. And so there's one where it's like you have to make a hamburger, like you have to slide the right ingredients down to make the hamburger in the order. Mm-hmm. Um there's a another one where you just have to like race before you get eaten alive on like a train track thing. Yep. Um and there's no explanation of how to play the games. You just have to fail a bunch until you figure it out. Uh-huh. Um there's another one where your giant robots just mashing at each other and like mashing arms off and legs off. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just a bunch of those. Here's the thing is so your four people are playing this game. The fifth person is playing with the actual console that they built. Um, and they're you, like, it's almost like a remix. So there are different buttons that do different things. So you can make it glitchy. So you can use a, um, what's the, I'm making a motion. Like a slider? Again. Yes, thank you. You can use a slider to make it more or less glitchy, which mm. will fuck up the gameplay. You wow. can make the screen bigger or smaller so uh, that they can see more or less. Uh-huh. Um, well, uh, the, just a bunch of stuff like that that affects the way that the players play the game, which is what keeps it interesting and keeps it like kind of partyish. Yeah. Um. It, it's really, yeah. it's a really, really cool system. That sounds really fun. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'd love to to play that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We saw. You want to talk about the Arte game? 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we yeah. went. We saw a game called Homo Machina, yeah, um, which was inspired by Fritz Kahn's medical illustrations. Mm-hmm. Which none of this sounds interesting, but yeah, the game is fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I actually I'd seen these illustrations or illustrations in this style before, but I didn't. I I had not actually known the name Fritz Kahn. But if you look up some of his artwork, I think you'll probably recognize like okay, that especially like the. Specifically, the images of the human body, where where the whole interior of the human body is envisioned as like kind of machines and gears and like different things like that 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 make the body function. And so, in this game, yeah, it, the, the idea is that you are managing this p- person's body, and you know, so the section we played was like the early like waking the person up and stuff like that, and and um. So, like, for instance, um, you know, this was a section where, and so the first thing, one of the first things you have to do is, like, the nose is, like, clogged from, you know, just all the dust and junk that, that the person inhaled while they're sleeping, uh, presumably. And so you, you know, have this person uh, with a hose on a, uh, like, a lift that goes up, that you maneuver up and down, and you just use the hose to just, like, spray away the all the snot, basically, in their <laughs> in their nose, you know, and then you have to, like manipulate the nose hair which look you know so that it like filters out the the junk that's coming in and you know like these little just it's really charming yeah yeah, and yeah. It's, an, it's an uh it's an ipad it's a mobile game mobile so game. like you're you're touching the screen yeah. and using that it's really yeah really, really it nice. just seems like super inventive and and uh because each sort of part of the body is like different has all kinds of fun just you know gears and mechanisms and things to 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 play with and yeah yeah, yeah it's really it looks really cool uh one thing i wanted to shout out that was kind of cool was um this year gdc did their first ever film festival oh so yes there was they attached you know us not attached but they added yeah. this film festival where they curated a list of um and brought in a bunch of filmmakers who were doing Film yeah. work around games. Obviously, I don't know. I had to explain all of that. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, my, our friends mm-hmm. do uh, yeah, run Area, Area 5, five. Yep. Uh, have a series called Outerlands mm. that they've been working on for several years now yeah. to do documentary series about like the lives behind games, right? Like the human interest stories. And so they they were showing, we went to a screening of mm-hmm. that. They were showing some of those. Um, one of the episodes is about me and mm-hmm. making tropes and stuff, which was kind of cool to see. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that they do the film festival again next year. Yeah. I love that idea. Me too. And I'd encourage it. I mean, I don't know if what if they're available anywhere yet for like non-backers, people who didn't back the original Kickstarter. Yeah, you can still back it. Oh, you can. Yeah. Okay. So, any if you're like interested in games history the way that I am, the, there's the two episodes that are out already. Uh, one is about. Um, well, they're not. They're, they're out to back. They're there's, out to backers. I think there's like. I mean, yeah. A handful I mean. of episodes that are out to backers right now. Okay. Well, two so, of those, the episodes yeah, that are sorry. out to backers. Yeah. <laughs> are one is about um, uh, these two guys, Frank Cifaldi and Mike. Micah. Mike Micah, who do all these like game preservation efforts, they they try to save you know games before they're like lost to time, and it, it's one thing in this game in this in this uh, episode is you see these just really these games that never were released that never came to fruition, and so you know for for instance like I get a real I get a big kick out of there's a game that a de- developer called Sunsoft was making 
um, which originally was supposed to be a Superman game. Oh, man, this uh, game. <laughs> uh, you know, but they didn't. And, and, and they use, like, the John Williams, like, Superman theme music and everything, which, as I think Frank says in the episode, like, they probably never even had the rights to that music, but it's in the game. But then they turned it into, like, the Sun Man. And it's just like this, you know, and they, they even say, like, this game's not very good. But it's still, like, interesting and important to kind of preserve this stuff. And um, yeah. watching the process of them, like, yeah. like, sort of really quickly trying to save all of these, yeah. like, floppy disks and stuff and, like, source code yeah. that will vanish if they yeah. don't, right? Yeah. And and the other episode uh, that they showed uh, at the film festival is the final interview with Ralph Baer, who... Um, is, you know, considered to be the essentially the inventor of video games. Um, he, uh, he, was, he was in his 90s when the interview was filmed. Um, he's, he's since passed. Um, and, you know, but he relates this little anecdote of, of he'll meet, uh, you know, people and two people on the street or whatever. And, you know, one of them will, introducing Ralph to the other person will say, oh, um, Ralph, invented video games and the person will ask oh oh really what like what game did you invent hoping it'll be some game that from their childhood or some game that they love or that they're familiar with but he's like no no i i invented the concept and and (laughs) and people don't know what to do with that like they don't think of video games as being a thing that was like invented by a person but it really was. was and uh so just seeing this man who i mean i mean it's still you know in in the in the episode you uh, you still see like him kind of innovating and tinkering with things. Like there's a he has like Duck Hunt on an NES, but but you play it by throwing a ball at the screen to like hit yeah. the ducks. You know, just stuff like that. Like he was still kind of just creating and 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 messing around and like trying new things. You know, even um, through the through the end of his life. Um, it's just a, a, a really kind of just fast. I think again, like. If you care at all, like about about video game history, the way that I do, um, absolutely, like seek these episodes out. Yeah. They they are just so the first they're they're beautifully shot, like this the, and and they're just so full of wonderful uh, uh, information and stories and everything. Yeah, um, one thing that I don't have enough to talk about, but I want to at least bring up mm. is that. Um, this year, there were a lot of pins and stickers being passed around that said, labor makes games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that there are discussions happening around uni- unionizing the video game industry and recognizing yes. the labor yes. um, of that work and like some unpaid labor of that work. Uh, I think that there was a meeting or like so there a was session. A, there was a session, like a, a panel, like a talk, a group. A meeting um, at GDC, and um, I wasn't there, and I don't really feel well versed or well qualified enough to speak to it knowledgeably. But from my understanding, um, you know, the IGDA representative at the uh, at the meeting um, kind of kept throwing out all these like sort of hypothetical, you know, scenarios and things as as reasons to to sort of not, you know, to kind of dis- discourage the uh the idea of of union oh. unionizing. Mm. Um and a lot of people were really frustrated with yeah. that, I think. Yeah. Um and yeah, and you know, people there are people who 
fear repercussions, right? Just sure. for like speaking. This is not, this is not a new yeah. uh, experience yeah. Uh, yeah. in terms of union busting it, it, and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm uh, pretty excited about it. Yeah. And I'm curious to see yeah, what happens with it. I, don't, I, I think there's a... The twi- I follow the the like main Twitter account uh, for it. I I want to say it's like it's Game Developers Unite. Um, we'll so, link it in the info. Yeah, well, we will because um, yeah. cool. I think it's important to follow and support this uh, this discussion and this movement. Yeah. So this whole podcast was basically a one big freak uh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Car- Before we started recording, I was like, Carolyn, I don't I have any freak outs that aren't games yeah. because it's all we did. But uh, let's move on to what's your freak yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> all right. After that. Do you have something? Yeah. All right. I mean, so so let me say, say that I'm literally freaking out in the negative sense of, oh, shit, this is like really fucking bad. I am freaking the fuck out about the fact that... Um, John Bolton has been pegged as national security advisor. Uh, John Bolton is a uh, extremely hawkish uh, uh, political figure. You know, he he has essentially said things like, "Well, um, you know, we it's it's possible that North Korea has like nuclear weapons that they could fire at us. We don't have the intelligence. We don't know for certain. So let's like preemptively." basically bomb them back to the stone age and Jesus. and um and like at a speech to a conservative group uh you know in like in i think 2016 or something like re like you know in the recent past he he was talking about like um he was mentioning the like uh, talking about an actual muslim country and its king right so he's like and then he said like uh so he names like that country and its king, and then he's like, um, you know, unlike our. So it was uh, Barack Obama was president at the time, and he's like, unlike our Muslim king. Um, so like a complete, oh my a complete, god, like racist. I don't know why I'm acting surprised, at yeah, even a little bit, like a total racist warmonger Jesus. who, you know, the idea of him as like national security advisor, you know, it's fucking terrifying. So um, anyway, like. That's sort of tangent, ten, very tangential, actually, to my to my actual freakout. But you know, uh, I think I was like, "Are yeah. you doing multiple freakouts so that I don't I have mean, to do one?" They're, I mean, they're sort of <laughs> in my mind. They're like related, even though they're not really related. So after you know, the yesterday, um, I think I was just you know, GDC had been a long week already, and this news, you know, whatever. I just was ugh, not feeling great, and. You know, I've been thinking for a while about buying Skyrim on Switch, even though I've played it a bunch before. Skyrim's on Switch? Yeah, Holy yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's a, and so I bought it, and, um, like, it's... I mean, I don't think Skyrim is the best game or anything. Like, it's 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 not, you know... I mean, even among, like, open-world RPGs, I'm... You know, I'm more of like a Witcher three person than a Skyrim person. I mean, I have a whole bunch of problems with The Witcher three, but like it has like fleshed out relationships and like you know r- interesting storylines and things like that. Skyrim is more of just like this big playground. I mean, it has a story, but it's it's not like involving in any real way. You know, it's just like, but just something about being able to like escape into that world felt really uh, uh, pleasant at the time and and. And honestly, like, uh, I'm so impressed 
with with how this game runs on Switch. Like it's really? beautiful. Cool. It looks amazing. It runs well like even in handheld mode and like so yeah, like obviously we know the Switch can do like incredible things. Breath of the Wild was a was a pretty extraordinary was a very extraordinary achievement in its own right. But Skyrim is a is a more sort of quote unquote realistic looking world in terms of just yeah. And and so to see it running really well on Switch is is still impressive even though the game itself is like five years old and um and yeah so uh so i'm having fun with that that's awesome yeah um i'm gonna talk about so i went so okay one of the events at gdc is a thing called marioki oh yeah marioki is karaoke where all the songs have been rewritten to be about video games (laughs) it is fucking delightful um I will say too that one of the so so just to be clear, like their popular songs are like known songs, yes. but with the words rip, yeah. the lyrics replaced. So, for example, uh, so one of the ones that was super memorable last night mm. is the I guess the, uh, one of the bartenders working at the venue was like, "Oh, I get what this is. Mm. Not nothing to do with games, or whatever." But was like, "I'm going to do a song," and so she did Bjork's "It's Oh So Quiet," uh-huh. and she killed it. And the song is funny because it's like. It trans. I forget what the theme was, but it talks about like doxing and like oh, you know, shit like that, right? Uh-huh. But so, as someone who's not involved in games or anything, and she had such a beautiful voice that literally everyone, like anyone who wasn't paying attention, all just like swarmed out to watch her. Uh-huh. It was those moments were so yeah, special. But yeah. there, it's such a funny. Anyways, this is not my freak out. But uh, Marioki was not my freak out. Uh-huh. But but um, it's. It's a really, really cool thing that is funny and like it's always a good crowd and it's good people that run it. And, yeah. you know, like the songs, some of the song lyrics are better than other sure, song lyrics, sure. right? I mean, it's almost like points for trying to like rewrite whatever song yeah. to make it about. I'm trying you know. to remember the Mario Kart one is really, really good. And mm. I'm trying to remember what the song was to it. But, um, anyways, I'll share yeah. that another time. But, sure. but so, uh, usually they just do it at a karaoke bar, but this year it was, um, you know, they got a sponsor which is caffeine it's a new streaming service and uh they got a bigger venue and they also invited the folks who run botnik to do a sort of live botnik thing Mm -hmm. um i've talked about botnik on the podcast before it is uh predictive keyboards that are trained to specific texts so i talked about the harry potter chapter that got passed around recently um that's an example of botnik so it's actually like a community of writers who use the keyboards and like craft you know use this sort of machine learning to craft these amazing um hilarious yeah. things Spe- right so funny so the way they did it live was they developed a system where there are four computers set up in this little room and you they they made keyboards for different gaming related things so they had um final fantasy where you were either tifa yeah. or cloud i don't know shit yeah. about final yeah, fantasy no, that, i could right. i could have faked it i could have just went yeah. uh right or um they did her story mm. they did darkest dungeon oh rad. um they did metacritic comments oh shit um and they did nintendo direct okay and so as you do them there's someone in the room who will pull the best sentences out and put them on the screen and they did they have videos okay so like it looks like it's like a closed caption of her story or nintendo oh, direct my. Or whatever, God. right? When oh they put it up, God. or of the game. So there's some really good ones, oh. and one of the ones I uh, I quickly took a snapshot of was um, 
It's from a Nintendo Direct press conference, uh-huh. and it said, Nintendo switched to the good gameplay, and now Kirby isn't coming soon or even ever. <laughs> oh, poor Kirby! <laughs> I know. And I was like, Aww. this is fucking hilarious, and I'm so sad because Kirby's my favorite. Yeah. But it's that kind of shit that's just, that's it's so, hilarious. Oh, it's so good. And so they had that projected up, and yeah. it was it was a really fun time. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, so uh, I did have a freak out after all. Yeah. All right, y'all. That is our show. We hope you enjoyed it. You can catch us back here every single Wednesday. Next week, at least one of us will be talking about Steven Spielberg's film adaptation of Ready Player One. And by one of us, that means Carol. <laughs> we couldn't make this podcast happen without our generous backers on Drip. Drip is Kickstarter's brand new subscription-based crowdfunding platform. Help us keep bringing this podcast to you every single week by joining the Feminist Frequency community. We've got some great rewards for you, so pitch in now at d.rip slash If you're enjoying the show, we have a small favor to ask. Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. It really helps us spread the word about our show. And, you know... When you're hanging out at a games convention, <laughs> doing the party, doing the karaoke, just be like, yo, I heard about this cool podcast called Feminist Frequency Radio. You can check out all our work and our other podcasts at FeministFrequency.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at FemFreak to stay up to date on all the news. If you would like to w- see Carolyn's constant retweets of Call Me By Your Name, <laughs> you can find her at... At Carolyn Michelle. I'm at Anita Sarkeesian. And our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. We'll talk to y'all next week. Later. 